Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve Maletto from the Teaching Learning Leading K-12 podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for you to come back for another episode. Today's podcast episode is so important and special to me. We are talking about mental health in life and teaching. I brought on my friend Lauren, who is going to be talking with me about this very important topic. So before we dive into everything, Lauren, I would just love for you to introduce yourself to everybody and tell us more about yourself. Sure. I'm Lauren Marcinkowski from um, The Empathetic Teacher on Instagram. I use she, her pronouns. I am a teacher. I am a mother, a wife, and a daughter and a sister and a friend. Um, so most importantly, a person. I did say teacher first, but that's just one aspect of who I am. Um, I'm also a music therapist. Um, I don't say that often enough because I'm not really practicing currently at the moment, but I have my degree and certification in that as well. And I am just passionate about helping other people and connecting with other people and just kind of telling my story and encouraging others to be vulnerable and kindness and using empathy in their classrooms. And, you know, now that I'm stepping out of the classroom, encouraging that, you know, outside of the classroom as well. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yes. So mental health is, that's just a topic that can go a lot of different directions. Um, You have been so open and I appreciate that so much. You've already mentioned your Instagram, but on Instagram, I'm just sharing your story and your journey. And uh, if you, I I just love following you because you're just so real, you know, and it's just, I love that. I love following people on social media who are just real about their lives and just honest and open. And it's not just surface level. And so mental health is something that you've been pretty passionate about where you're, talking about your own journey with it. And so when it comes to mental health, um, we're going to talk in a couple different ways as it pertains to work and home life. So just why don't you just, I'll just open the door and let you talk about what mental health means to you and what you want people to know about about it if they're struggling with that in some way or another. Yeah, sure. It's so much you could talk about. Um, I think my journey with my own mental health has been very... um, fraught with like judgments and cri- criticisms of myself. However, I've never been that way with other people. So I think that says a lot about me and um, my journey with it. Um, 
really my first exposure to mental health was working as a music therapist um, at a child psychiatric hospital. And, um, I, you know, I always felt like I could help these kids and they had so many problems. And I, you know, at the time didn't realize it, but I almost thought I was better than them because I wasn't in their place. And little did I realize that we're all just a few series of unfortunate events or circumstances or happenstances in our lives away from being in a state or a place where we could need services as intense as the children I was working with. And it took me um, up until this year to realize that. And it's very humbling um, because truly, truly, um, the stigma around mental health is so ingrained, I think, in our society. And we all hold these biases, even if we don't think we do. And mm-hmm. mine really came to the forefront forefront this year um, when, you know, I had my own mental health crises and, and breakdowns. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a journey. It's truly something I think I've always slightly struggled with. And um, mm-hmm. I have a family history of it. But again, there's that stigma and, no, oh, we're fine. And, you know, you want to push it down and bury it. Um, as families and older generations had, but, um, really postpartum and like children really do when you become a parent, when you become a mother, bring, um, all of your good and bad to light. And not that these are necessarily bad things. They're just human things that we struggle with, but it it was truly like, I think a blessing in disguise as horrible as it was to battle like postpartum anxiety, which was horrible for me. And then depression, um, it finally made me realize like, Hey, this is an alarm and this is what you need right now. And and that's really mm-hmm. how I'm viewing mental health now as um, it's not something to be feared or, or scared of. It's just something that a way that your body's telling you that something's not right. And then you have mm-hmm. to kind of play investigator and figure out what that is. But um, there's, there can be physical things. It could be just mental things or where you're at in life. But yeah, that's, that's kind of been my journey and that's a long answer, but um, mm-hmm. I've been thinking of it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Gosh, I love that. Well, I mentioned this already, but just your honesty about it, because I know I even and I know from your journey, you've had these conversations as well, where a lot of times do you feel like teachers think they're the only ones or even moms facing some kind of mental health crisis or, oh, maybe I'm the only one having these thoughts or maybe I'm the only one feeling this way where they're 100% not. It's just not talked about a lot for some reason, because I think it's the fear of, if I tell people I'm feeling this way, I might be the only one, or I might feel judged, like you already mentioned, or maybe nobody can relate to my story, which is pretty much the furthest thing from the truth. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I think really what I've learned in these past few months is that so much of it came down to my own self-judgment of what I thought and I perceived, like you were just saying, people Mm -hmm. to think and, and feel when really in reality, that was the furthest thing from the truth. So it really was my own biases and thoughts that I was afraid of, honestly. And, and again, I've been so open about it. I've had so many friends struggle with mental illness and mental health and I've lost friends to mental health battles. And, um, you know, I thought of myself the furthest thing from having these, these negative, like stigmas and biases towards it. But when I came to myself, you know, I had to really deconstruct those thoughts of like, I can have, I can handle it all. I can tackle it all. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine because that's really not true. And I think teachers especially do that because, you know, for a lot of reasons, I think culturally, Mm. I think our, our career is kind of built upon specifically women or, um, like female identifying, mostly Mm. female identifying individuals go into this field of teaching. Right. And, um, and I think that it's almost been built upon that, like in our society, women, 
they tend to burden a lot of these things and just kind of deal with it and move on and, and they don't talk about it. And I think teachers have this martyrdom syndrome or like, mm-hmm. and again, it's not something that we're actively doing to be malicious. It's just like part of the culture and it's like kind of ingrained mm-hmm. in us that we have to keep pushing through and pretending that everything is fine. And it's really okay when it's not. And we really do need to seek help. And it's so hard because you do feel really isolated when you're, when you've gotten to such a bad point, it's mm-hmm. trying to catch yourself before you get there. But mm-hmm. I obviously didn't. So it's really easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. You and I were talking about before we even started recording about kind of our journeys as mothers. And I was talking about when I had my first son and I really struggled with, I kind of made the decision not to return back the next year already. He was born in March. Um, well not right when he was born. So when I went back to school Mm -hmm. after maternity leave, um, probably halfway through that year, I made the decision not to go back because I started seeing some things or having conversations with his at-home daycare. Um, He was never playing with the kids. He was just not really engaged. And I started seeing the signs of autism that now we know at 12 years old he has. And, Mm -hmm. um, but it was really hard for me because I felt like being a music teacher in the classroom was what I was going to do through retirement. Yeah. It was almost like my identity changed a little bit when I became a mom which is not a bad thing, but it was kind of, it threw me off because like the four and a half years of college, I never thought about, well, what am I going to do when I become a mom? It was just, I'm going to get my degree and teach music. So then when I made this decision to leave the classroom, it was like, well, wait a minute, that wasn't in the plans. So my mental health became a little, it was like a struggle in me of like, but I need to be in the classroom, but I need to be a mom. But who, what, what are people going to say about me if I leave? And what if I never go back? But what if I do go back? What are they going to say? Well, why did you take so many years off? All these thoughts that constantly go in your head. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that's so hard because I know there's a lot of parents that listen to this podcast. And even if you never have stayed home with your child, I know that's still the juggling act of juggling being a mom. Yes. Working. It is extremely hard. It's extremely hard. And so... I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. But yeah, I just, I don't even know where I was going with that. But just the fact that, I think I told you the fact that nobody really talks about that when you become a music teacher is what do you do when you become a mom? Because like you said, a lot of females end up becoming a mother and then nobody tells them, well, you're going to juggle both things now, pretty much two full-time jobs at once. You're never told how to do that. You're never told you you would have to think about doing that. You just kind of have to figure it out. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot to handle. (laughs) Oh no, absolutely. And I felt, I felt the exact same way. And I I didn't, I think the combination of having postpartum anxiety and depression, which I didn't expect because I think your whole pregnancy, you're, you're told if you have postpartum depression, it's really scary. You might want to hurt yourself or your baby. Mm. And, And with me, it was just completely different. And I, I mean, I'll just say as a fair warning, I will talk about my experience here with postpartum anxiety and, um, for me, I just constantly had these intrusive thoughts that something terrible was going to happen to my son all day long, just constant, mm-hmm. constant, constant. And it's something that never really fully went away. When mm-hmm. I went back to work, it was almost like a distraction from those thoughts. And mm. I was flagged twice at my son's pediatrician, you know, appointments because the mothers, they make the mothers, at least at my son's pediatrician, take these tests to make sure they don't have postpartum. And I did. And I, they said, are you seeing a therapist? And I said, oh yes. And I was, but it was once a week. And then I mm. ended up switching or not once a week, sorry, once a month. And then I ended up switching practices and there was a big gap in between. And I just, I felt like I was taking care of myself because I was going, but I was going through the motions. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of new mothers feel that way. Like you're going through the motions, juggling all these things. And it, 
it, it just came to the, a, a point for me that, you know, like we had mentioned earlier when we were talking that, um, mm-hmm. honestly, it was not even a choice. It was like, I have to do this now. And right. it, it got to that point for me. And, and some people, if they're in a better mental health space and if they're doing better and things are better for them, definitely can do it. And I think if circumstances were different in a different timeline, I would still be working and be happy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cause like you said, I've always pictured myself to be a teacher or, right. or, you know, someone in a caring profession like that. Cause I was a music therapist and I mm-hmm. went into music teaching and, and just in that world, I thought I would be in, and it is like a loss of identity and it's hard to, to know that you're still your yourself. And I think that was the biggest journey for me these last few months is really who am I outside of teaching? Who am I even outside of being a a mom? Like just finding myself again, because I think that's the most dangerous trap. And I think that was some of my pitfalls into mental health issues. Um, after my son was born, like, and obviously having a son in the pandemic didn't help, but, um, you know, like, who are you and who was I at this point? Now I'm a new person. Cause you're right. You, no one tells you what it's going to be like being a mother and you, you, you can never, never understand it until you go through it. And then Mm -hmm. at working into it, you don't have a chance to breathe. So then how are you really going to know who you are? So if you don't have a strong Mm -hmm. sense of self before motherhood, it's really going to, and I didn't. So that's been a lot of soul searching for me, you know? Yeah. Oh, completely. Oh, I am the type of person, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I notice mm-hmm. my husband and I had a conversation about this not too long ago because when he met me, I taught elementary music full time. I taught yeah. about 20 piano students, and then I accompanied two children's choruses. And I just, I've always been that way. I love to stay busy. (laughs) Me too. It really, I never really unpacked that. And um, still to this day, I have a million projects going on and all this stuff. But but I always keep myself busy, as busy as I can. And now with that said, I'm also an introvert. I love having downtime. But Mm -hmm. for me, if I'm stressed out, I like to stay busy because I don't have to stop and think about my thoughts. I don't have to stop and think about and process why am I feeling overwhelmed and stressed out, Mm -hmm. which is not a good thing. But like you, you know, you kind of alluded to that earlier. It's like, you got to keep going. You got to keep doing the things because, and I feel like you don't realize you're burnt out or stressed out until one day it just like, you know, hits. Yes. Because if you never let yourself slow down and think about it or to process what you're going through, it, it just builds up and you don't even realize it's building up until all of a sudden you're like, I'm feeling so anxious and I don't even know why. And so I know so many teachers listening to this can relate to that. You know, they haven't had time to stop and just process teaching during a pandemic, for example, you know, it just is so hard. And that was part of, I think, all all of this. I mean, I had other personal things going on as well, but I think Mm -hmm. that was such a main, like, driving factor in this is just like, we didn't have time to slow down and process. And honestly, that's like what I wish. um, And it's not even, I, I mean, my admin has been so great through this whole process. I, I don't mm-hmm. blame them at all. I just mean, structurally, I think school districts would do really well to build in more professional development centering mental health for teachers. Like we do it mm-hmm. a lot for students and I am not, I'm not saying that that's not important, but mm-hmm. um, we need that time in that space too. And um, you know, as much as I love my admin and I really do, they've been really fantastic through this process. They haven't even been able to model healthy boundaries and healthy mental health practices for us because they're working constantly. And I know they are, and we all are. So like, if they're, if they're not doing it and they can't do it, how are, how are we expected to do it as teachers? Mm -hmm. And, And that really comes from even higher up my school district. And I think culturally as a society, and I think that it's sad, but I, I don't think I'm the only teacher leaving this year. And, and mm-hmm. it's, 
going to really make waves in, you know, I think districts and, and you know, the, the whole system of education as a whole is really going to have to ask itself, where do we go from here oh, to keep yeah. teachers, you know? I completely agree. Yeah. So a teacher listening to this and they're struggling with mental health, or maybe they can relate to what I said, where they don't even know they are because they're keeping so busy that yeah. one day they just wake up and they're like, oh, they just feel kind of like stuck or burnout. out. What are some things that they can try or advice you can give around that where they can hopefully start to think through their thoughts or to process maybe what they've been through trauma-wise the last couple of years, or even if it's not related to the pandemic and they're just struggling in whatever way it might be, what are some ways that they can, that advice you have for them around that? Yeah, it's so difficult. It's so, it's hard to answer a question like this because it's, Mm -hmm. it's so unique to each person, but I'll, I will speak to my experience and list a couple of ideas that I think really do help. Um, Mm -hmm. There are, so it really depends on your personality and and how you learn best, right? So I'm going to give the teacher example of like, there's like all these different ways you can learn. There's all these different ways Mm -hmm. that you can help yourself. Um, You know, finding a therapist is difficult. I would definitely say that's step one. However, if it's not something you can afford, there are apps that I find super helpful um, that really focus on like mind body connection, which I, I found very helpful. Um, there is an app for therapy as well. It's called BetterHelp, and um, actually, there is a payment plan. So I you put in your income and stuff, and they will um, kind of work with you. So it's kind of oh, a pay yeah. scale. So um, if you don't have insurance, that's a really affordable way. And, and the therapist I found on there is absolutely wonderful. Um, so that's always an option. So I always kind of suggest that. But also the Calm app, it's a meditation mm-hmm. app. It's not a substitute for therapy at all. But that is just incorporating that stillness in your day. is like the opposite of what you want to do. But that was therapy and incorporating stillness in my day was like kind of the first step. So like meditating for five minutes or just having silence somewhere in your Mm -hmm. life for Mm -hmm. a few minutes. So you can really listen to yourself and your needs. I was ignoring my needs and that's why it got so bad. And you don't want to get to that point where you were saying like you're so burnt out and stressed out, but your body's probably giving you signs. You're just ignoring it. And I know I was, and I was ignoring so much about my body. Um, so that's definitely what I would say is would be a step one. Other than that, there are so many other things that I found helpful. Um, there are, different types of therapy that work differently for people. Um, but, and there's therefore different coping strategies. I, I find journaling is really helpful, especially if, um, I don't want to sit in silence. Sometimes just getting your thoughts all out, something will come out and you don't realize it. So if you don't like writing, you can type. It sounds silly, but like anything, like working out, like eating better, like practicing an instrument, you just have Mm -hmm. to kind of start. And even if it feels stupid, like, just keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, sometimes people like meditating. Sometimes people just like silent walks. So if you're a walker, um, you could do that as well. So just th- those little things, I think, were the stepping stone to me being like, whoa, huge alarms are going off. I'm not okay. I was also having physical signs. Like I was having extreme panic attacks. I had heart palpitations. They, they really couldn't figure out what's wrong with my heart because there was something going on. And then they, they ended up just kind of leading it off to anxiety or chalking it off to anxiety, I guess. Um, but there was a lot going on where I should have been yeah. listening to and I really wasn't. So those steps kind of helped me realize it. And then honestly, um, the stigma around medication is, is so strong, especially with me. I was like, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then it was like, 
when your mom, I mean, when you're, I guess I'm talking generically, my mom, <laughs> he'd be like, if I was complaining about something and it hurt and hurt, hurt, she's like, just take this medicine. It'll make you feel better. I'm like, mm. no, I don't need it. It's okay. My mom's like, why? If it's going to make you feel better. And that's what really what it came down to with me with starting medication. I was like, I feel so horrible. Why am I just letting myself do this? If there's something that's going to help me feel better. And it was really just that simple. And it yeah. got to that point. I was like, I'm going to try this, especially because of, and I will give another warning of like talking about my mental health and like suicide com- contemplation. Mm. It's something I didn't really think I'd ever have. And at first it started off um, really like mild. Like when I was, um, I had had, a, an, I'll give another warning about talking about pregnancy loss. Yeah. Um, in January, I had a, a pregnancy loss and I wasn't yeah. very far. I was almost seven weeks, but mm-hmm. um God, it hits you so hard. Like you don't yeah. think it'll be that bad and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. People, you know, they might think of it as like, oh, it's just a late period. And it's like, no, it's not. Because like for yeah. those two whole weeks, you were like expecting to have another member in your life. And it's not, doesn't feel like a normal period, first of all, for anyone who has right, a period. Right. Not like that. So it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so emotionally down and I was like, I would just be better off without being here and everyone else would be happier without me. And it didn't go away after a few weeks. So I know that, I mean, obviously the miscarriage brought out that thought for me, but I think it was kind of always under the surface and Mm -hmm. that was the tipping point. And I never thought of that as a suicidal thought. And then I mentioned it to my doctor and she's like, no, that, that is because even though you're not saying, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this, because I don't want to be alive anymore. You're you're still thinking and wishing that you weren't alive. And that's, it's, it's a really scary feeling. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, this was kind of a rambling rant. No, (laughs) no. You don't no. want to get to that, basically, is what I'm saying. So these yeah. steps kind of help you. They might even help you realize, like, you're close to that, <laughs> that point, mm-hmm. and then you can seek further help, which mm-hmm. is what I did. But um, if not, you can use those steps to, like, get help. And, and like I'm saying, like, the medicine mm-hmm. thing is just, it's honestly saved my life, and I'm not mm-hmm. exaggerating. So I, mm-hmm. I really don't want people to be like, oh, I really don't need it. Whereas, like, you know, if you have a scrape or a cut, you don't need a Band-Aid, but mm-hmm. it can help. So, like, mm-hmm. think of it as a Band-Aid. It's not going to solve all your problems, obviously, you need to do these other steps to take care of yourself, but um, it can definitely help. Absolutely. Oh, no, that was so good. And <laughs> I know I know someone listening right now, a teacher listening is like, well, yeah, all that sounds great, but I'm so pressed for time already. But you yeah. mentioned five minutes for the Calm app, five minutes yeah. for you know journaling. It doesn't need to be a long, find an hour in your calendar thing, just putting time aside. It could be on your lunch break. You go sit yeah. in your car by yourself, right? Like when did you find those open pockets of time? When was it like that? Did you wake up in the morning or did it just kind of depend on the day too? For I, I started making it. I, I put things aside. I didn't make content on my social page. I mean, every now I'm getting a little bit better back into it because I'm feeling inspired again, but I was like, I don't mm-hmm. have time for this. And I just, and I, I didn't lesson plan like I normally did. And I just was like, I cannot keep putting everyone in front of myself if mm-hmm. I can't put myself first. So yeah, I started out with those little minutes, waking up a little bit earlier, just making those promises to myself. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to break this promise to myself because I need to treat myself like I would treat a best friend or treat someone who I had a commitment to. And that was the hardest part. And that's when that self-worth and that self-love really, again, comes into place. Like I didn't have a strong sense of who I was. So I didn't really care what happened to myself. And that, yeah. that's not a way you're supposed to treat yourself. Like you, the longest relationship you have in your whole life is with yourself. Mm, if you really good. think about it. That's good. So, um, yeah, I just was really 
you know what, all these other things can fall to the wayside because I really need mm-hmm. to make this for myself. And, and exercising too has just been so monumentally helpful. And I don't ever exercise more than 30 minutes because I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. But um, anywhere from 10 to, to 30 minutes a day was kind of like my start. And then I was like, I'm going to add a meditation before it. And then I was like, I'm going to wake up and meditate and exercise. And then I'm going to journal for five minutes. And it's just like this whole, like I created this whole hour routine for myself in the morning. And if I didn't do it, I felt horrible. And like, it just really, truly, it's just like that commitment to yourself. Like you're doing it for yourself and like saying, thank you body for being here and keeping me alive. And I'm going to, um, return the favor by doing all these things that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You said something I want to touch on where it's yeah. hard for moms or teachers. Cause I've been both. And I can tell you, it's the same mm-hmm. to put yourself first. It yeah. is so easy to put everyone's needs above yourself, whether it is your students, the colleagues in your building, whether it's parents in your building, maybe not in your building anymore, but you know what I mean? Your own children, your husband, friends, your extended family. And I got to that point. It was last year where I was giving, giving, giving. And when the pandemic started two years ago, Mm -hmm. um, since I run a a business for music educators, I was like, oh, I just kept serving. I kept offering more and more and more and more and more, which isn't bad. But then through the process of that and taking care of my own children who were home for eternity and then, you know, yes. my husband transitioned to working from home. All My whole life just – and um, yeah. everybody's dead. Yeah. But then I realized I was just giving, giving, giving. And it was just one day, which I, I mentioned earlier, I felt like I'm always just doing. And there was one yeah. day I remember I just just sat in my corner of my room and started crying. And I don't think I had let myself process that. First of all, we're living through a pandemic. Like, let's, yeah. that's just not something you say lightly. Second of all, that I had not done one thing. And I don't mean like, I didn't go, didn't go get a pedicure that day. No, I mean like, I had not done anything for myself. Like, I just been taking care of others for so long. Yeah. That I didn't even, I didn't even realize that until mm-hmm. one day it just hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I got real kind of quiet, like you mentioned on social media for a minute. I got real quiet, like I wasn't showing up in my Facebook group or whatever it might be, um, because I thought, well, if I don't do that, people are going to think I'm not, I'm not serving them good yeah. enough, or I'm not that. All those little thoughts come in your head, are like, oh, Jessica, yeah. she should be showing up better. She should. Not one person said anything. They were, and no, then when I decided to come back on, it just, I just came back on. I didn't make a big yeah. announcement, like I disappeared because of this. But I just feel like I just related to that so well when you said that. It's so easy to put others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. It just it is. is. And it's just like, you don't even think about it. You just kind of do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I think teachers have that personality and parents, like you just keep giving it. And honestly, I was the same way. And that's why I got to the same this point where I was like, wow, I'm going to give myself like up until I'm like, like I'm going to do this until I die, like until I drop mm-hmm. dead. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I need to stop because I'm literally going to drop dead soon. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it felt that imperative that I stop and put myself first. And it actually makes me better to serve other people. And that's the thing that people don't really realize. Like you can't like that old saying, you can't pour from an empty cup, but it's really mm-hmm. true. Like you, you hear it all the time and you're like, well, that's, then I'll go, you know, take like a half hour to myself and watch my television show or get a mm-hmm. pedicure. And those things mm-hmm. are all nice, but they're almost surface level. Like what right. I was talking about earlier is like, truly truly like caring for yourself like you care for a child like ensuring that I get my vitamins and my medicine and Mm -hmm. water and Mm -hmm. exercise and and 
get that time for myself alone and really treating myself that way has been so monumental for my self-love and just like, it's, it's hard because you hear these thoughts in your head. And this is the biggest thing for me. I get, this is like my anxiety that's normally talking to me, all these thoughts in my head saying what I should be doing. They should have, could have, would have, or like what you need to be doing. And, um, talking back to that voice is really powerful. And it's a tool that my therapist taught me, um, you know, like, oh, well, your lesson plan is not going to be that great tomorrow. Or like, you're letting your kids down. And I'm going to, and I, I sit back and I go, you're not letting your kids down. They may be disappointed, but it's okay to disappoint people. And mm. you're doing, you're making yourself feel better. And that's okay too. And like, you know, that people pleaser, I'm such a people pleaser. Oh, so that was too. really hard for me. <laughs> so yes. that was really, really hard for me. So like now I always say that to like, when those thoughts come up or like, um, I don't know, like, even when I'm anxious about my son getting hurt, like I feel like he's going to get hurt. I just go, if he's awake, I'll just go sit near him and be like, he's okay. He's not going to get hurt. See, he's, mm. he's just like this. And if he does get hurt, we'll deal with it then. And it's okay to have that worry. Almost like I used to get so annoyed at those thoughts. I would like swap mm. them out of my head mm. and, and forget about them. But now I almost soothe them like a child. And that might sound ridiculous, but it's almost like I always yeah. try to treat it like my inner child, like being worried and or like if a child came up to me and was like, I'm so worried about this. Like, well, what would I say to them? So I, right. I say that back to my anxiety now and try to treat it kindly instead of like, I'm so angry. I wish you went away. And it's not reality. Like it's always going to be there for mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. for many people. And how are you going to, how are you going to treat it? Are you going to just treat it kindly and with patience? Because that honestly, it's getting me much further than trying to ignore it or smush it down or, or push it away. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you ignore those thoughts, or you try to push them Mm -hmm. away, they'll just keep coming back, or they'll just keep building up and becoming bigger thoughts and becoming, uh, they're just going to keep knocking, knocking on your brain, you know, coming back. But I love that you said you acknowledge them and you thought through it, and thought of ways to think about them differently, instead of just no, we're not thinking about that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on that. I love how yeah. you related it back to a child because that's so relatable. And especially for teachers listening and who teach yes. children day in and day out. I I guess I never even thought about that until you said it was the fact that, I mean, we are so good about taking care of children and just giving them what they yeah. need, whether it is medication or getting enough yeah. rest or talking yeah. about how you're feeling. But we don't do that for ourselves as adults. We no. don't even talk to <laughs> other adults about those things. No, it, yeah. It's insanity to me. Like if you I love I love listening to like kids just talk to other kids. Some of the things mm-hmm. even they talk about are like, I don't know if I would ever ask an adult that question. You know, yeah. it's just like they're just so yeah. innocent with their thoughts and their words. And so I love that you brought it back to that because it's so relatable for adults that work with children day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Something you can just relate to of yeah. oh my gosh, treat myself like my inner child. Like how would yeah. I want to treat myself like I did when I was a child, you know, and yes. think about it like that. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's so hard to not judge those thoughts or not be like angry at yourself for thinking those things or, or mm-hmm. doing certain things. And really, I feel like the, the thing that's gotten me closest to non-judgment is treating myself like an inner child. So like those not, they always say like when emotions, like my therapists in the past have been like, when emotion comes up, just be curious about it. But it wasn't until recently until a therapist, it framed it in that way, which I think, like you just said, clicked with my teacher brain. Like, oh, I I wouldn't, for me, I wouldn't judge a child if they came up to me and told me that they were worried that, you know, they thought the ceiling fan would fall out of the ceiling. They were really Mm. scared about it. And like, 
I wouldn't be judging them and being like, that's such a dumb thing to be afraid of. Of course that wouldn't happen and just ignore it and try to push it away. I would, I would really, you know, try to take care of that thought and that emotion for them. So mm-hmm. for me, that's been really working and, and helping me. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you another question when it comes yeah. to the, your life at school and then your life at home for a teacher who maybe they're struggling with balancing the two, the two mm-hmm. different worlds. And it's hard because when you get home, you want to rest. You want that to be your place where you can just kick your mm-hmm. shoes off and relax. And then when you go to school, if you feel like you're not ready to teach the next day, like you said, sometimes your lesson plans just weren't the greatest in your opinion. Yeah. I'm sure they were great, but that you oh, feel okay. like, oh my gosh, I'm letting my students down. Or if my house is a mess and I haven't done laundry, I'm letting the people at home down, even if you yeah. live alone. How do you balance those thoughts of not feeling good enough in either area? I mean, I constantly felt like that for mm-hmm. close to 21 months. I mean, I, I went back to work when my son was 11 weeks old. So that was like most of like what I was feeling. Um, but now, you know, when I do go back in the classroom in the future, when I do start working again full time, what I think I will try to do is kind of like what I was just saying and like really trying to be careful with myself and be like, you did the most you could do today. It'll mm-hmm. still be there tomorrow. Um, and like you said, like the less, like you're your own worst critic and you're Absolutely. being the hardest on yourself. And I think, again, going back to like, would you judge your friend if she told you this story about this? Would you, then why are you judging yourself? And then maybe, maybe you realize like, you know what, maybe I secretly do judge my friend or I secretly feel like I'm better than her. So I shouldn't be doing this or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And honestly, those are not nice thoughts, but maybe that's what mm-hmm. comes up for you. That's what came up for me when I was like, oh, I'm going to have to leave work. And I really had to challenge those thoughts that like, you know what, like this isn't, this is just what you need. And and that's really what it comes down to, like giving yourself those five minutes. Like maybe if you're feeling overwhelmed, what do I really mm-hmm. need right now? If it's to rest, you know, the laundry can wait. It really, yeah. really can. Oh, yeah. It's not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> If it's because you think your lesson plan is not going to be great tomorrow, maybe just rest now and try to get in a few minutes early and look at it then. Or if you feel like a lesson plan bombed, um, that's just like what we tell our kids. It's just a mistake to grow from. You are not your mistake. So like you cannot, you cannot hold yourself to like, if, if you catch yourself in these thoughts, like, oh my God, that was so bad. You're so stupid you have to stop yourself when you start insulting yourself. Like, don't mm-hmm. say you're so stupid. You're, you have to stop yourself there and be like, okay, that didn't go well. Um, I'm allowed to be upset about it. I'm allowed to be frustrated about it, but it does not make me a bad teacher. It does not make me bad at my job. Like you have to tell yourself that, but also acknowledge that it didn't go well. And, and that's what I think really starts to build resiliency and ho- hopefully that balance. And that's what I'm going to hopefully carry mm-hmm. into when I go back. But to be honest, I couldn't do it. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I could. I, I yeah. really didn't get that balance right. Um, mm-hmm. This is what I'm hoping that I can do now that I'm having these steps in place. And if I had these steps in place before, sure, I probably could. Um, but it really comes down to that. And I, I think also it comes down to what you and I were talking about at the beginning before mm-hmm. we started recording was like, do you want the balance even? Um, mm-hmm. Right now in my life, I had a lot of series of unfortunate events happen, but it really made me realize after being off work these last three weeks that I'm much happier without the balance. And if you can swing it, like you had mentioned too, it is financially mm-hmm. difficult. It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy for us right now. Um, but it's not that it's also not, it's also so worth it. It's thinking mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm, I'm happy. I'm with my son and, and 
we'll make it work. And like yeah. you were saying, it is, I do have those thoughts. I'm not going to pretend I don't, that I, I, and I was telling you, I worry about the future. Like, is it going to work right, out? Right. Like, okay. But, but the more I think about that, the more I have to stop myself and think like, just take it day by day, moment by moment. Cause that's really all I can, all I can really do right now. It's mm-hmm. truly all I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I know a lot of people are probably in that same boat. So absolutely. Yeah. So let's touch on that because this whole podcast is obviously called the elementary music teacher podcast. So it's, but my whole goal has always been to encourage teachers in the classroom, but also in their home life. And and also if your decision is to leave the classroom, like I've been open and honest about that on this podcast, like I am not currently in the classroom (laughs) and that's Mm -hmm. okay. But my goal is to always encourage you to do what's best for you. And so you listening right now, if you have had thoughts about, I love being a teacher. I thought I'd always be a teacher, but I need to leave for whatever reason it might be. Or even if you're listening right now and you're like, I want to stay teaching, but I feel like I need to find a better sense of, I don't even like to use the word balance either because I it, it's mm-hmm. not like the balance scale. It never is. But I want to yeah. find a better sense of if I'm just going to use the word because I can't think of another word off the top of my head, but balance in my life when it comes to home and work. And um if you're listening to this, I just want to say that it's okay to do what's best for you. Don't yes. worry about fear of judgment from others or what will mm-hmm. your colleagues think or your administrator or your friends or your your spouse or and have a conversation with them, of course, but yeah. it's still your decision on top of that. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I just want to give permission to anyone listening right now that you do what's best for you without mm-hmm. worrying about what others think. And so... If you go home and your laundry is piled up, say, you know what? I'm going to look at my calendar and when do I have a free couple hours? Oh, Thursday afternoon looks like it's pretty free. I'm going to do a load then. It's okay. If you, like Lauren already mentioned, if you feel like, I know I'm that way too. I'm very type A. I want everything perfect. I wanted my lesson plans perfectly typed out, perfectly arranged, perfectly step-by-step-by-step done. Some days, it's funny though, because the days I didn't do that, And the days I felt like a failure as a teacher, that next day when I would teach those lessons would be one of the best days of teaching and the best reception from my students I had gotten when I didn't even spend very much time. And I'm like, maybe it's because I was so low key about it and so um, not hyper focused about what was on the paper, but just kind of let myself teach in the moment. And my students responded to that. And so then I remember a couple of times of that happening, being like, why am I so overwhelmed trying to make this perfect plan when I'm leaving? when it goes better when I'm leaving open space in my lessons anyways, and it's just magic kind of happened. I don't know. It's like, no, so all that to say, that was a big long rant from Jessica, but just let the expectations you're putting on yourself go and do what's best for you. So, um, yeah. and I know people yeah. are like, Oh, it's easier said than done, but absolutely. Truly, like I said earlier, like you are the person you have to spend the rest of your life with. And that's like, honestly, mm-hmm. what dawned on me the last few months. I'm like, wow, this is my life. And I don't feel like I'm living it for me. Like Mm -hmm. live your life for you, you know? Right. Yeah. And so like a piece of the story, I don't think I've ever shared on the podcast is when I did make the decision to leave, we knew we would be going down to a single income family and we knew we had a kid and it was just like, how are we going to make this work? Well, before I left, we looked at how long we had left to pay off my car and we paid double on my car payment, which was not easy for those few months. Um, We looked at the bills we had, we cut out cable and then i can't remember off the top of my head what else but a couple other things and then i remember we literally our eating out budget went down by like a like two-thirds and i 
I mean, I have never grocery planned down to the penny as much as I did during that season, but we made it work. And I think, mm -hmm. and everybody does, is not going to have that same as that story, but for us, that's how we did it. And I also knew I had my retirement to live on if I needed to, which I did not want to do that, but that was our plan was we have that yeah. money. We can dip into it if we need to during that season. Um, yeah. And so like Lauren, you said this earlier too, you, you don't always know what the plan will be if you do decide to exit the classroom to work yeah. on your mental health, but it will work out. It, and we, you may not know the plan right away. You may, everybody can't, is not going to be like I was, we're like, I'm going to have this plan on paper and this is how we're going to get to it. Sometimes it's going to be more like your story where it's like, I have to leave for my mental health. And then all yeah. that stuff's going to have to just work itself out afterwards, you know? Exactly. And that was like, mine was like, you know, it's mm -hmm. almost like life or death. And I'm, I feel like it's, yeah. it sounds like exaggerating, but it really isn't like it just, it wasn't. So I'm like, I'm going to have to figure it out. And, but if, if you do have the time to plan it out, like you were saying, like you definitely should, because the way that you were kind of planning it out was I think really smart mm -hmm. economical and um I yeah I just feel that for me it's like we're gonna figure it out on the back end but you know what it's it's okay like you said like we're we were looking at you know buying houses and moving potentially mm -hmm. and we're like no we're still gonna we're gonna stay where we are right now mm -hmm. and that's okay it's mm -hmm. not like a bad thing we love our where we're at we're in a condo um and, you know, we're not going to be eating out as much, like you said. And I, we've yeah, been yeah, grocery yeah. shopping, budgeting like crazy. Yeah. So it's just it, – we are trying to make it work in the season. And it, it is a little bit tighter, mm -hmm. but it's not impossible, which is mm -hmm. we're really fortunate. I know not a, everyone's going to be in that boat. But if you don't want to get to the boat where I'm in, uh, definitely try to plan now if you know you want to leave or just – really focus and putting your mental health at the forefront mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. it's too late, you know? Absolutely. So a teacher listening and they are on the fence about leaving the classroom, not mm -hmm. forever, but they just feel like it's the mm -hmm. season right now they need to. What would your words of encouragement to them be for them struggling with those thoughts of what will others think about me and what, what if it's not the right decision and those thoughts that you went through, like what are, yeah. what are some words of encouragement you have for them? I think just continuing to treat yourself like you treat a best friend and what mm -hmm. you would want for them. Like if you pictured yourself on the outside looking in and really remembering that this is your life and we do only have it once and really putting yourself and your needs at the forefront. Like yeah. that's really what it came down to. And it's, you'll have a breaking point right now. You might still care, but there will be something that'll be like, you know what? I don't care anymore. What others say, I need to do this right. for me. Right. And yeah. then a teacher that is wanting to stay in teaching, we've already touched on a lot of points for them, yeah. but they're, they've really just been kind of struggling with their mental health for the last couple of years when the pandemic started and just are yeah. feeling a little burnt out, but not wanting to leave. What advice do you have for them around staying and being the best music teacher they can be for their students? Just like, you know, put yourself first now or else it's mm -hmm. going to be too late. Like you have to put yourself first. Now you have to start doing those little things. You have to find the time, cut something out that you don't think you would mm -hmm. need cut out mindless scrolling on TikTok or Instagram. And I know it's fun and I do it a lot, but, but if that's where you need to find your time to put yourself first, you do have to do it. And it's going to take time and it's not going to feel like it's working at first. Um, it's like practice. Like we said, you practice piano, to get better at it. Mm -hmm. You have to practice this to get better at it. And just 
you know, listening to yourself, listening to your needs. And I didn't even know where to start with that. I was like, what do I need? What do I want? Like, I don't even know what I need. But those little things that I was mentioning before, the meditation, the time alone, the walks, the if you can afford it or find a therapist, like those will add up and they'll help you and they'll they'll really make it clear for you what you mm-hmm. need so that you can be the best teacher you can be. Awesome. And don't feel like you have to be the best teacher. You already are. Like don't go mm-hmm. above and beyond if it's killing you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like music teachers, you, you probably have definitely can relate to this. Yeah. I feel like they have to prove themselves a lot anyways, being the music teacher mm-hmm. in the school building of like proving, I've heard this so many times, I have to prove that I'm a real teacher. I have to prove, I have to get my, um, prove yeah. that I'm worth it and prove that I'm more than just a music teacher. I'm like, but why? Just show up and do your job and yes, yes, your work prove, for it, prove it, you know, like you don't need I, to go over and above. Yes. <laughs> and that would be something you could definitely ask in therapy. Why do I feel mm, the need to prove? And like, that's good. I think that's more honestly the, the musician, music culture, like, oh, completely. <laughs> that like, I remembered, I'm like, oh, this like competition and like, oh, I hate it. it. Yeah. Flashbacks to music school and college, but oh, you know, completely. Yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely ask yourself those questions because if it's not for you, then who is it for? And then why mm-hmm. is that important? If it's mm-hmm. not for you and if it's for somebody else, why is that so important to you? And mm-hmm. that'll give you a lot of answers. Yeah, that's good. We have talked about so much on this episode. It's been so great and just such a great candid conversation. Do you have any other pieces of advice for our listeners today before we go? Just focus on yourself. I mean, I can't say it enough. Really, mm. really put yourself in what you want and your needs first. Like I didn't like I really didn't realize how much I wanted to be with my son until I was already on my medical leave and I was like, okay. I can't go back anyway. My mental health is just not in a great place, but, but this is also really what I want. And this is what I'm going to spend the next few months to maybe even years doing. And then, you know, nothing's permanent either. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are permanent things in life, but very few things are like, just because you decide to leave the classroom or you decide to stay doesn't mean that that needs to be the decision next year. You can, yeah. it's your life. You can do it. It's weird. Cause like sometimes you don't feel like you're in control of your life, but it is your life. You are in control of it. You can mm. make the decisions. <laughs> That's really good. Yes. Where can everybody connect with you after this episode? Sure. Um, you can find me at the empathetic teacher on Instagram. I also have a website that has the same name and I just wrote a blog post on my experiences with this and burnout and boundaries. Um, I didn't see any I didn't say the word boundaries at all in this episode, but I think I kind of talked about boundaries basically, like making those Mm -hmm. boundaries at work and school boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So that was like my most recent blog post. And, um, that's, I think would be really kind of relevant to what we talked about here. And that's on my website at, um, the empathetic teacher.com. And then also I, um, have a new Instagram page called the empathetic mom, which, I mean, it's going to basically be focusing on mom stuff. It's very similar. I just post a little bit more mom things there than on my teacher page, which I think will be shifting more towards focusing on teacher mental health. Right now, it's Mm. focusing on building relationships with students, which I will still always touch on because that's something I'm super passionate about still. But right now in this season of my life, I'm like, you know what? This is what I'm passionate about, and I'm going to just start talking about this. So that's kind of why Instagram 
um, is I'm very vulnerable, open, honest, mm-hmm. just kind of talking about what I am passionate about in the moment. And this is the season of my life. So those mm-hmm. are the places that you can find me for now and um, maybe other places in the future. <laughs> awesome. All those links will be in the show notes. So you guys make sure to check those out. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. Mm-hmm. I have enjoyed talking with you so much. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.